Hello, everybody. It's January 13th. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, where we read through the One Year Bible and offer guidance to highlight observations you won't want to miss. Our hope is that you will be encouraged to press on with anticipation to see how all 66 books of the Bible fit together as a unified whole. My name is David McAdam, and I am pleased to be with you today. I want to give a special shout-out to our daughter-in-law, Heather McAdam, who I often refer to as our daughter in grace, as she has a special grace reigning in the grace of this life with her husband, our son Jonathan McAdam, and furthering the spread of the gospel message through literature distribution. We are making our way through the book of Genesis in the Old Testament and the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we're learning of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yesterday, we saw the cheating heart of Jacob as he deceived his father Esau into receiving both his father's inheritance and blessing. God is at work unveiling his plan to save sinners, and as we have seen, he takes into account the misdeeds of sinners as he works out his sovereign purpose. Let's go to today's portion in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 28, and we will read through to the end of chapter 29. Let's pray in the words of Psalm 119, verse 18. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may behold wondrous things out of your law, your word. Genesis chapter 28. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Jacob sent to Laban. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him. You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Badan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you, and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Badan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. Esau marries an Ishmaelite. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Badan Aram to take a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Badan Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Jacob's Dream Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night, because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. 
and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at that time. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Chapter 29 Jacob Marries Leah and Rachel Then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. As he looked, he saw a well in the field, and behold, three flocks of sheep lying beside it, for out of that well the flocks were watered. The stone on the well's mouth was large, and when all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place over the mouth of the well. Jacob said to them, My brothers, where do you come from? They said, We are from Haran. He said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? They said, We know him. He said to them, Is it well with him? They said, It is well. And see, Rachel, his daughter, is coming with the sheep. He said, Behold, it is still high day. It is not time for the livestock to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go pasture them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and the stone is rolled from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's kinsman, and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Jacob told Laban all these things, and Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel. And he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter Rachel. Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. 
Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I may go in to her, for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Laban gave his female servant Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this that you have done to me? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, It is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also, in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel to be her servant. So Jacob went in to Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and served Laban for another seven years. Jacob's Children When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son, and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Again she conceived and bore a son, and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son, and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. And this is the end of our reading from the Old Testament portion. Let's take a few moments to recap and reflect upon what we have just read. The family drama of the patriarchs continues. It reads like a soap opera with so many twists and turns, family tensions and intrigues. Rebecca loathes her daughter-in-law, the two Hittite women that Esau took as wives in Genesis chapter 27, verse 46 and chapter 26, verse 34. Esau's father, Isaac, also was displeased with Esau because he married Canaanites rather than tribal members in Genesis chapter 28, verse 8. Thinking it might appease his parents to marry someone to whom he was more closely related, Esau takes another wife, his niece Mahalath, a daughter of his uncle Ishmael. Esau, as we have seen, represents the old nature, the flesh, and chooses the offspring of Ishmael, who also represents the old nature, the flesh. What is born of the flesh is flesh. John chapter 3, verse 6. What kind of choices do we make? Do we walk after the spirit or after the flesh? For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Galatians chapter 6, verse 8 reads, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. As we read through the book of Genesis, we can see that God is after something. He is looking for someone who will heed his word and believe his promise. He is looking for, anticipating, someone whose trust and obedience is perfect. He is looking for a man filled with the Spirit. He is looking for that perfect man, Christ Jesus. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. 
2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. Of course, it is not until we encounter Jesus that we see the precise man that God has in mind, the man whom he is looking for, whose heart is completely his. His perfect obedience avails for us who will look to him to be our sufficiency. But as his chosen people, such as Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, believe the promise and walk in its light, we see from the Scripture's record that God is at work in their lives, developing those characteristics that will eventually be fully realized in Jesus Christ. Did you know that He is at work also in you doing a similar thing? Christ is being progressively formed in you. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. First and foremost, we have seen how each of these men and women exhibit faith. Note that Sarah is listed in Faith's Hall of Fame, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. They take steps of obedience that confirm that they believe God's word. They believe the good news of the promise. They have a conviction that God's promises are true and live in the light of what they have been told to hope for. Their testimony of faith pleases God. He credits them as being righteous in Genesis chapter 15 verse 6 and counts them as favored ones. The writer of Hebrews explains that without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. They also are excellent candidates for God's grace. Each of these people have their flaws and their faith is not always focused. Can we identify with them? God uses them despite themselves. Jacob is a great example of God's grace in action. His name means supplanter or cheater. He spent a good part of his early life cheating others. After his encounter with the Lord, he will be on the receiving end of people's deceit. But God will use these experiences to further his purposes and demonstrate his grace. Jacob was grabbing the heel of his brother at birth. He cheated his brother out of his birthright. He tricked his father into giving him the blessing his father had intended to give to Esau. But while Jacob was on his journey to get a wife, he stopped for a rest, laid his head on a stone, and had a dream of a stairway to heaven with angels ascending and descending upon it. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord. The Lord personally addressed Jacob and renewed the covenant that he had made with Abraham. But now he would remind Jacob that he was in on the promise. How wonderful it is when we have the revelation that God's promise is for us. He has not just made a covenant with Abraham, but he has made a covenant with his perfectly obedient Son, Jesus Christ, and all those who have been joined to him by faith, trusting him as their Lord and Savior. How wonderful it is to know that Jesus Christ went to the cross to win for us an open heaven. He is the one who gives us access to heaven and brings heaven to us. He is the staircase and the one at the top of it. The spirit of wisdom and revelation brings heavenly understanding to the mind of the believer. God's grace comes to all repentant Jacobs with the hope of salvation. And what about these angels ascending and descending heaven's staircase? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 reads, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? I love Jacob's response when he comes out of his dream state. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Chapter 28, verse 16. The thought of God's presence being on earth is now in his thinking. This is a foreshadowing of the gospel promise that God's presence is coming to earth in the person of his Son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus of Nazareth first approached Nathanael, he said of him, 
Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Here is a hint. Israel will soon be Jacob the deceiver's God-given name in the story. Nathanael recognizes and confesses that Jesus is the Son of God in John chapter 1, verses 47-49. through 49. Then Jesus says to Nathanael, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. John chapter 1, verse 51. Jacob marks this special occasion by setting up a pillar and consecrating it with oil. He does not yet build an altar. He will do that after his life-changing encounter with God at Penuel. In Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 32, and chapter 35, verses 1 through 7, setting up pillars was a pagan practice that the law of God would eventually forbid. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 22, Jacob had not yet fully surrendered to the Lord. Lord, make us aware of your presence. Jacob named this place Bethel, meaning house of God. Later in the history of Israel, Bethel becomes a place of idolatry. The prophet Hosea would condemn its evil practices in Hosea chapter 10. Our focus ought to be on who God is rather than where God was. Jacob would become father of the twelve tribes of Israel in an unusual way. He spends the first part of his life cheating others up until his dream at Bethel. The last part of his life has people cheating him. First, his uncle Laban cheats him. Jacob loves Laban's daughter, Rachel. He labors seven years for the right to marry her. It was the custom of the day for a man to present a dowry. Jacob did not have material possessions to offer, but instead agreed to labor seven years for her hand in marriage. But there was another local custom that Laban did not tell Jacob about. In Laban's culture, the older daughter had to be married before the younger. So Laban disguised his older daughter Leah and sent her to Jacob as his bride. She appeared before Jacob heavily veiled, and only after the wedding night did Jacob realize he had married the wrong girl. This makes me think that we should be thanking God for the incandescent light bulb. Jacob was in love with Rachel and could not let her go. Laban takes advantage of this. He says, finish the daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also in return for seven years more work. Laban also gave Jacob his daughter's handmaidens, Zilpah and Billa, who had also produced children for Jacob. In the midst of this domestic mess, there is a love story. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Genesis chapter 29, verse 20. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour to the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, and we pick up where we left off yesterday with verse 18, and we will read through to verse 38. A girl restored to life and a woman healed. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well and instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. 
and they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. Jesus heals two blind men. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. Jesus heals a man unable to speak. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament from the Gospel of Matthew. We are following a day in the life of Jesus of Nazareth. He travels from the area of the Gadarenes in the southeast side of the Sea of Galilee and crosses over to Capernaum in chapter 9, verse 1. There he heals the paralytic in verse 2, calls Matthew to be a disciple in verse 9, and has dinner at Matthew's house. After dining and teaching, another ruler, Jairus, comes to him reporting that his daughter has died. He believes Jesus can raise her from the dead. Jesus goes with him. As he travels in the crowd, a woman with an issue of blood touches the edge of his garment and is healed of a twelve-year case of chronic bleeding. Jesus raises the dead daughter to life and then heals two blind men. This is followed by a case of a demon-possessed mute being healed. Is it any wonder that the crowd were amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel? And it was all in a day's work for Jesus. In the light of this, what kind of day did you have? Lord, give us an eye today to see what you are doing, what you can do, and what you have done. There is none like you. Now let's go to the Bible's prayer and songbook, the book of Psalms, Psalm 11. The Lord is in his holy temple. To the choir master, a Psalm of David, Psalm 11. In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, Flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see. His eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. 
He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. Verse 3 is a haunting reminder of the peril of Western civilization as it rejects its foundation, the Judeo-Christian worldview. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. The Lord is merciful, but He loves justice. For this reason we should fear justice and cleave to His mercy. The cross is where God's justice is satisfied on our behalf. It is where sin's punishment is exacted, so mercy can flow to penitent sinners. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold His face. Psalm 11, verse 7. And now for our final stop in our Bible reading tour today, we go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of His reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as the father the son in whom he delights. The writer of Hebrews quotes these proverbs, reminding us that we should not complain when things get tough. God treats us as his children and disciplines, corrects, and trains us for our good. He goes on to explain in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 through 11, It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good, so that we may share His holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Let's pray together. O Lord, we are grateful that we can choose to walk after the Spirit as we begin this new day. Thank you for the mercies that are new this morning. We own up to our failings. We confess our sins and humbly receive the Holy Spirit's witness to our conscience that the blood of Christ cleanses us from every sin. Thank you for the warnings of your word, that if we sow with a view to satisfying the flesh and doing what is right in our eyes, we will reap of the flesh's corruption. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to be our perfect representative. His perfect devotion and obedience have won for us an open heaven. It is a miracle that He has made it possible for our bodies to be a Bethel, your dwelling place, a temple of the Holy Spirit. We cherish your word and we seek your righteous rule in our lives. Help us preserve the foundation of your self-revelation by championing your word and offering you our fresh obedience this day. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for joining us in today's reading of the One Year Bible. I hope you are finding it helpful. If this podcast is a blessing to you, or if you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. And you can contact us through our email address, podcast at newlife.org. And you can learn more about the ministries of New Life at our website, newlife.org. And there you can subscribe to a free daily email with a written commentary with charts, maps, and pictures to help you navigate your way through the One Year Bible. Once again, the web address is newlife.org. And there you can find information of how to know God personally. 
Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and you can be reminded of each episode. And feel free to let other people know that this podcast exists. God bless you and may he keep you looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Shalom. Shalom.